PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites. Archive, distribute, and display your photos in a flash-free, responsive website. Try one for free for 14 days at PhotoShelter.com. Get our latest educational guides for free. PhotoShelter.com slash resources. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Alan Murabayashi broadcasting to you live from New York City, the home of Photo Shelter. You are listening to episode 55 of I Love Photography. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Sarah Jacobs. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Alan. How you doing? This is somewhat of a bittersweet show we have going on here today. It is. Yes. Uh, turns out uh, this will be our last show, not because of the show's ending, but because you have found a new opportunity at a little place called Business Insider. I've heard of those guys. <laughs> yes. Yes. Have we shared any of their links on the show, though? Um, well, they're they're very well known for their listicles. They're they're you know they do very well with the listicles. Yes, absolutely. So you'll I guess you'll be making a lot of those listicles or uh, helping to find photography for them. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to be an associate photo editor over at Business Insider running photo essays. And, uh, oh, photo essays. Yeah. Nice. So you're going to find some new uh, photography out there to share with the, with the people? Yes, absolutely. Just kind of like every week here, but different. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe now we can have you guest host ILP every once in a while. <gasps> I'd be honored. Huh? I would be honored. Okay, well, this better Let's be a good show. Oh, no pressure or anything. Uh, no pressure. <laughs> let's start with some. Uh, let's start with some semi-serious stuff, as always. This uh, was in the Time Lightbox. An interesting article. Uh, the French government, at some point, decided they needed to have forensic tools to detect uh, photo manipulation. So they contracted with a company called Exo Machina, uh, which developed a product called Tungsten. And the, uh, the developer there, I guess, is Roger Cozian. I'm using the American pronunciation, not Roger Cozian or whatever it is. Um, but he had some, some words here. He had some words here talking a about a lot of stuff. Um, the one that was most resonant with me was basically when he excoriated the contests. Yeah. And basically said, was any thought put into their, uh, you know, their policies regarding manipulation before they, they publish anything? And his, his, he's implying that no, they have no idea what they're doing, um, which was sort of my criticism of the contest before, which is they don't really know what they're doing. And you know what? I, 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 I'm beginning to understand the the issue as being it's it's not only about photography now because the manipulation happens with the bits and the pixels and so you kind of need a, a, a somebody that specializes in that stuff to make any sense of it yeah someone like roger somebody like roger or roger as we like to say oh <laughs> um but this is a a pretty interesting article. I thought it was was pretty good, and I hope that the people over at World Press and the other contests had a chance to look at it. And I hope that rather than just feeling criticized, they they can find some insight in there and and uh, adjust their rules. Maybe hire the guy. Yeah, absolutely. They should definitely hire the guy. Uh, he, I, I really enjoyed this interview because he's very much on the photographer's side. And also calling out WPO, saying you need to make your rules more clear so that photographers know what is allowed and what isn't allowed. 
Um, and also he just talks a lot about how photography in general is never just straight on. You know, there's always a point of view involved and um, how important that is to the photography itself, whether it's in post or just when you first take the picture. Yeah, and I guess that isn't such a new idea. Everyone everyone says there's no, you know, a, a photo isn't objectively true because of the point of view and where you're aiming your camera and how you do your edit. Yeah, but um, hearing hearing a guy who's developed a software to try to yeah. track manipulation, hearing him say that, it, it, it gave me a little peace of mind. It was like, okay, cool. Glad that he knows that. <laughs> so so what was his thing at all? the uh, An image is not, a manipulated image is not necessarily a lie. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Uh, our buddy Steve McCurry, who you know from the Afghan girl, or who most people know from the Afghan girl, this came out two days ago when it's kind of staggering. So Steve, you know, I've been down to his studio a couple times um, because they use Photo Shelter um, for some of their archive work. And uh, you know, it's a small group of people. It's not like Steve's running a huge operation there. He's got he's got a little apartment down by uh, the World Trade Center, and uh, he's got you know huge filing cabinets and whatnot. And there's maybe two or three people that work in that office. It turns out that his assistant stole six hundred fifty-four thousand dollars worth of prints, which she sold without telling Steve, and obviously kept all the money. It's crazy. So Brie Stefano, and I think back to you know the role that assistants play for their bosses is significant. There's so much trust there. Yeah. Um, and Steve, you know, he's traveling all the time, so he can't be in the office. He he has to count on people like you know being on the straight and narrow. There, this is staggering. Six hundred fifty-four thousand dollars. Yeah, she was doing this from 2012 into 2013. I I don't even know what compels someone to... I mean, at some point, do you just say, I'm so far in, I'm just going to keep going? Or at some point, do you say, I can't believe how far in. You know, I thought I was just going to steal like $10,000 and now I'm up to $600,000. Well, I know she must have just gotten addicted to the money. I mean, that's so much money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So 223, 233 stolen books valued at $23,000 and the rest were prints and she was arrested. And bail is set at a quarter million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody will be bailing her out anytime soon mm, with that. Not unless change. she finds some of that money. Right. Yikes. Well, Steve, I'm glad you you're able to catch her. Uh, Houston had a ton of floods, some really scary stuff. And then your hometown of Dallas also got some of that rain. You know, the crazy thing about weather is you'll have a drought in California and then you'll have this crazy flooding elsewhere, but super nice guy. Uh, and the, and the photojournalist with one of the best names in the world, Smiley pool <laughs> over at the Dallas morning news, um, took some really nice aerial shots of this stuff. Yeah, well, this is one thing about this flood is it's been raining all month. I mean, it just has been relentless. I was down there in April for just a weekend, and it was pouring, and everything was green and lush. I mean, it was beautiful, but this is insane. I didn't see anything like this, obviously. Hadn't yeah. happened yet, but... But you you obviously recognize a lot of these places. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would drive to that side of town to go to school. 
So this one, this one's crazy. I love. This is like a, it's like a little island patch of grass. Yeah, that's it. something you'd put on your wall. And I guess there's a there's a big photo store link here, so I guess you could purchase it if you <laughs> wanted to. Um, I never get tired of aerial photography, man. It's yeah, just especially it's when it's roads. Yeah, roads and, and highways. Just yeah, just ending in the middle of water. It's scary. So strange, like an apocalyptic. Yeah. World. Um, Smiley's a great guy, and he does a lot of stuff with NPPA. So if you ever get a chance to meet him at an event, go and say hi. And uh, he's he's a great educator as well. How can um, you not be nice with a name like Smiley? I know <laughs> that would be really unfortunate if you're that a real would jerk. Suck. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, Kim Kardashian wanted to break the internet, uh, and we talked about that cover mm -hmm. that she had uh, for what was it, Paper Magazine? Paper, yeah. Paper, uh, and she didn't end up breaking the the internet. Um, and turns out her uh, stepfather came pretty darn close. So Caitlyn Jenner um, announced herself as Caitlyn uh, the other day, and it was a big piece in Vanity Fair. And not only did that happen, but Caitlyn became the first uh, person, uh, the fastest to reach a million followers on Twitter, surpassing President Obama. Wow. It was like four hours or something like that. Within the course of just a few hours, she hit over a million followers on, on Twitter. So uh, to get over a million followers, all you have to do is win some gold medals, have famous daughters, get a reality TV show, and then become the opposite sex. Yeah, or you could become president of the United States and wait six years before you create your Twitter account. <laughs> right. So all very achievable. Yeah, totally. The American dream. Totally. So Annie Leibovitz uh, shot this cover, and there was some behind-the-scenes stuff. And, you know, my initial reaction when I saw this was, man, why did they have to Photoshop this thing? And, you know, you're looking at it on screen like this, and, and the face is obviously very, very small. And then I saw kind of a closer-up photo of it and I actually think because we've seen photos of Caitlyn prior to uh, the transgender moment um, and she had had a lot of work done yeah that was some pretty smooth <laughs> so it's <laughs> like a lot of facelifts going on so I think what we're actually seeing I mean maybe there's a minimal Photoshop but we're actually seeing a lot of makeup uh, and, and yes. plastic surgery but you know she looks great yeah she does it's it's wonderful um, and then, because we don't want to just talk about the sensationalist portion of this, but but happy for Caitlin, uh, over on the Huffington Post, you know, this is sort of the year of the transgender. Transgender is having its moment right now with uh, Laverne Cox and Orange is the New Black and um, Janet Mock and Caitlin Jenner and all this kind of stuff. Uh, for the past 12 years, the Dutch photographer Sarah Wong has been photographing children in Amsterdam. And apparently in Amsterdam for kids who are sort of identified as having some sort of gender uh, questions in their head, they can take drugs that delay the onset of puberty until they figure out what gender they want to be, which is sort of mind blowing to me. I mean, from my perspective, that's a little bit early to, to put that on the kid's shoulders. And that, that definitely wouldn't fly in the US. But the uh, portraits, you know, the policy aside, the portraits are lovely. Um, they are. And there's no one, you know, I, I looked through the set of photos here, Sarah's photos, and there was no one that just kind of strikes you as 
oh, that's not a girl or that's not a boy. Um, and nor should it be that way. You know, it's just kind of, you know, I guess what we're learning about transgender is like, it's what you feel inside and what you identify with. And mm-hmm. and then uh, how, yeah, how you carry yourself and portray yourself. Yeah. And in these photos, they get to do exactly that, just show exactly how they feel inside. And it really shines through. Sarah did a great job with these. Yeah. And, you know, I got to give her props for, you know, doing this. This is not kind of a flash in the pan project for 12 years. Yeah. Before, you know, a lot of discussion about transgender even came up, she was over there documenting this stuff. And they're really, really nice, nice portraits. And I think she mentioned she also wait, you know, she's waiting a few years to release the images to protect the kids. Yep. Um, and which I think is great. I mean, not necessary. <laughs> she has some photos that are taken a few years apart. So the last on this particular article is a group portrait uh, and I'll scroll down to this, um, which she calls the butterfly tableau, uh, a bunch of kids in 2010. And then the same kids a few years later in 2012, uh, having grown a little bit, some of them more than others, probably just cause they're a little bit older. Um, but you know, the transgender aside, it's a lovely portrait and it's just interesting to see kids grow up. Yeah. I hope she continues with these kids retaking, reenacting this. Definitely. Really, really nice stuff, Sarah. Enjoy that stuff. You found this on Pro Photo Daily. Yeah. I thought this was really interesting. It's super interesting. Yeah. So Toyota, the car company, went to Getty Images to hire uh, photojournalists to work on some YouTube ads that they created that are little short documentaries on teen driving. So it's just different teens in their families, uh, in their family homes, learning how to drive, how the parents are reacting to that, you know, just very like intimate look. And I think it, it came across very intimate and very real because they hired documentary photographers. I think it's good. Yeah. And I guess the, the, the article basically states the reason why they did that was because they don't have the budgets to do like real productions, which was pretty interesting. <laughs> But, you know, at the same time, the, the cost of doing these types of things has definitely come down because you have LCD panels and yeah. the, of the cameras and the gimbals and all oh, this yeah. kind of stuff. Be- Benjamin Lowy, who is one of the photographers working on these, uh, he actually used his iPhone for all the slow-mo stuff that was shot for yeah, his pretty video. Interesting. Yeah. So here is my question. First of all, the the photographers that they chose, uh, Ben Lowy's work, we know very, very well. Uh, mm-hmm. Sarah Lukowitz, who, whose work with the domestic violence, uh, won a ton of awards. Shaul Schwartz, who's shot a lot in the Middle East. Like these guys are on the top of their game. Yeah. But here's my question. Because I was reading uh, an article about some local politics back in Hawaii. And there was a politician there um, uh, who served as a politician for, you know, 15 years. But prior to that, he was a newscaster. And then he was rehired as a newscaster. And the question, uh, it, was a, it was an op-ed piece in saying, well, what is this guy doing as a journalist? Because he knows all of these people and how can he be impartial when he potentially has to criticize his friends? And my question is, what happens when Ben now has to go cover a story about Toyota? a recall with an airbag or a crash, a terrible crash or the indictment of a a, a higher up. Does he now feel slightly weird about doing that in a very objective way because they put 
thousands of dollars in his pocket to produce this video. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 all for uh, the reality of having to diversify your uh, revenue stream, and I think that it's wonderful that photojournalism is getting a spotlight here to do this type of work. But it does raise questions because the you know, Sarah Shaul and and Ben they are huge. A little technical difficulty there. Hey, yeah, but, but you're back uh, on. Yeah, Ben, Sarah, and Shaul are huge, huge names in the world of photojournalism. And it just makes me question, you know, if this becomes a new norm where, uh, you know, the, the, the top talent of this generation is doing commercial work, what controls are we going to put in place to make sure that they're not then being assigned to go shoot their former clients as news subjects in the future? It's an interesting, it's an interesting I think you should, you should write a blog post on that. Yeah, I might do that. And I would love to, you know, I'll, maybe I'll reach out to them and just see what their, their thoughts on that. You know, obviously there's enough photojournalists out there that they don't have to be assigned to go cover Toyota now. Now we know that they can't cover Toyota for news things, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, as long as, you know, it's, you know, I would hope that Getty has that mechanism in place to make sure that that doesn't happen. Instagram announced more ads in your feeds this week. As if we needed more ads. Oh, no. as, if, <laughs> as if we needed this. <laughs> uh, but we knew it was coming. And we've seen over the past year or so kind of the slow infiltration of ads. And, you know, the interesting thing to me is that the, the advertisers have a few more tools at their disposal than we do. So, for example, there are multi-image posts in Instagram where you just swipe right and you can see, I don't know, up to four images or so. Um, but I guess the question I have is how many, you know, what percentage of ads are you willing to see in your feed before you say, this is enough? In a yeah. small little phone size area in a serialized feed, like I just can't take it. You know, at least in Facebook, most of the ad action occurs on the side. True. But now it's like, oh. The, they, they mentioned that the very first ad that was placed on Instagram was 2013, which is crazy that it's already been that long. But mm -hmm. I remember seeing the very first ad, and it was super jarring. You know, it was just like, what is, yeah. what is this? And, and still, every time I see an ad, I'm like, I'm like slightly confused for about, you know, half a second. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. You're like, I'm not following McDonald's. Right. I don't want to follow Taco Bell. Like, no. <laughs> I will say that over the past year, I think that the the marketers have gotten more sophisticated and, and they're not doing kind of straight up ads per se. They're, they're doing a, lo a lot of stuff where the photography really is showcased mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily photography about a product. Um, yeah, I think they get that part of the equation. Totally. It's way lifestyle. In fact, I mean, I follow a lot of commercial photographers on Instagram, and so it, it almost sort of blends in. Yeah. But there is that something that makes it just not quite the same as everything <laughs> else in my feed. <laughs> well, if you want free services, you got to deal with the ads. You know, you kind of make it, yeah. it kind of makes me wish. You know, if I could just pay five dollars, yeah, to get the ads out of Facebook and the ads out of Instagram, that could generate a lot of money for those guys. Definitely. I'm saying five dollars per year, by the way, not five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Annual subscription fee, five dollars. Christian Patterson won the VV International Photography Award, forty-two thousand dollars, for a project called Gongko. And before you think it's like about the Gong Show, it's actually a Chinese, an old Chinese store 
the Gong Company store. And they're lovely photos. Yeah, it's it's like a little abandoned grocery store down in the Mississippi Delta. Um, and apparently everything was just left on left on the shelf. And he has been going in there and exploring and taking some really great pictures. Um, I love Christian's work. I, I love uh, Redheaded Peckerwood. Mm-hmm. His work has this very like dreamlike quality, yet it's it's in reality. You know everything. It's like a documentary style, but it just has this weird dream feeling to it. I, I can it. see where people might say, "What's so special about this photography?" Um, because it doesn't rely on lights and you know, weird angles and people. There's a or lot of people. stuff that's, yeah, uh, right, that are, right. is just straight on. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think that when you look at it a little bit more, it's not just about one photo. It's really about it's really about the story behind what he's trying to communicate as a result of the essay. And I guess with the grant, part of it is that this becomes a show at the end of his year, um, which is exciting. And they said they're actually going to bring in stuff from the building to be a part of the show. So it'll, there'll be physical objects as well as the photographs. Yeah, he said it's important to him to make it into sort of an interactive piece. So it comes off the page and is not just his prints. And I think with Christian's work, like it's definitely meant to be looked at in a book or from a print. Definitely not in time Large light format. Box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not in yeah. a time light box scroll through web page. You know, I was talking to the art photographer, Greg Miller, and he that's kind of what he said. He's like, I could send you to my website, but that doesn't really give you the sense of what my photography is about, particularly because he uses an eight by 10 view camera. And, uh, you know, seeing like a huge 30 by 40 print of that stuff, it just gives you a different perspective about what photography is, in my opinion. So we love the internet, but we love stuff in real life as well. <laughs> Yay, really. Uh, and since we're on that Chinese theme, today on Feature Shoot, a really interesting essay. Uh, and let me pull that up for you. All the links that we're talking about today can be found on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com if you want to see the photography rather than just listen to us talk about it. But here is a photographer, the Hungarian photographer, Bents Bakoni. He stayed in China for a year. And he basically was trying to find, quote, home in China. Uh, and then what he ended up with was a set of photos where he tried to eliminate any people from them. And so you get a very, very interesting perspective of this incredibly populous country and even in the cities, but there are no people in them. Wow. So wait, was he manipulating the pictures? No. Editing them? Okay, he, he would, would wait. wait. Okay. Yeah. Which is, and he said, and some sometimes he'd wait for a very long time. Oh, I'm sure for people to, you know, uh, leave the scene. But it's it's kind of freaky to see these urban images, and you don't see any people in them. Yeah, it's almost like post-apocalyptic looking. Yeah, so we're getting a lot of the apocalyptic stuff going on <laughs> in the photography. But I, you know, I I really like it, and and you know, we've seen there was a guy who did those essays on the abandoned swimming pools like yeah. you can see influences from other other work and, and whatnot but this is a very very interesting essay i love his color palette it's almost yeah. like a pastel but a lot of grays but like a, a nice pastel look yeah very muted yeah not super saturated like some other people mm-hmm. 
pop star Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> this is the drone part of the uh, show. <laughs> Welcome to the drone portion yeah. of the show. Pop star Enrique Iglesias um, decided to grab a drone out of the air at one of his shows, and it cut his finger pretty badly. <laughs> now, from my understanding, the drone was part of the photo crew, and yeah. the drone was at like all the shows. And for whatever reason, on this particular show, uh, he decided that he was going to be cool and grab the drone out of the air, and he cut his finger. <gasps> and so much blood. Bled profusely. And then what did he do with the blood, Sarah? Uh, he like went backstage for a minute, right? No, he he put it on his white T-shirt in the shape of a heart. <laughs> okay. Because he's in, Enrique Iglesias. Wow, Enrique. Uh, and then he went and he, you know, he got his hand stitched up. And, and then he came back out and finished it. But, you know, that's a pretty nice T-shirt. I bet that could raise a lot of money for uh, in an auction. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really, you know, these drones, they have, uh, they have these propellers. And uh, the propellers move very, very rapidly. And you can cut your hand. So this is don't a try to grab. Yeah, don't try to grab a drone out of the air. That's silly. That's just silly. <laughs> Uh, and you know the drones are getting bigger too. Maybe if it's like a tiny DJI Phantom, maybe you could do it. But some of these things have big propellers on them. Some of the Octo drones. Yeah, that's. You just a, don't want to be grabbing that. No, that's a lot of blood. Um, if we were to continue the show, I would like to request an Enrique Iglesias portion of every show. Oh, <laughs> that. Maybe that will be your guest segment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I also think there's a future for uh, blood art on T-shirts. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, some really nice, really nice uh, <laughs> patterns could be made. The World Trade Center opened its deck, the uh, observatory deck, um, last week. I gotta go. Thirty dollars. Have you been? I have not been. Thirty dollars. That's a lot of money, but I'll, I'll go. And apparently, if you have one of the one of the Mastercards, one of their Mastercards, you can get into the VIP line uh, for the same amount of money, whatever that means. Uh, there's a there's a clear floor that you can see through, just like the Willis Tower in Chicago, the former Sears Tower. Uh, but here is a time lapse. EarthCam, which I guess had the contract to go take photos of the World Trade Center being built. Put together the eleven, the official eleven-year time lapse of World Trade Center being built, and I watched it, and it was fascinating. And part of me wishes that they also have a, a version of it where it just stays wide, because they kind of zoom yeah. in to the tower, and you kind of lose the context. Yeah, I had the same thought. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of, they put they put it in a few different places depending on the year, so it kind of goes back and forth. Which but, I which I understand, you know, yeah. it sort of makes sense, but. Yeah. Now, Alan, you you have basically been watching the One World Trade be built from your apartment. Yeah. Which is, I wish you had done a, a time lapse. <laughs> well, if only <laughs> I, I had that sort of concentration power. <laughs> I know. That's a long time. 11 I, years I, is a long time. It's a long time. I will say, you know, I remember when they put the, the top tower on there because there were helicopters and it was like a big deal. Uh, I will say that that area... A little bit to my surprise has been developed in a very, very beautiful way. And there's a new retail, shopping, and eating uh, place called Brookfield Place. There's a lot of foot traffic down there, really, really a lot of foot traffic. And they've made it back into kind of a, a really nice destination. So hopefully 
uh, tourists will continue to come to that area and businesses will continue to flourish in that area. Um, and it's a great time to visit in the summer, man. Yeah, I was just there this past weekend, walked around Bowling Green and walked up along the water. It's beautiful. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah. Um, we've come to the last moment in the show. But it's always the most happy. It's always Dude. the most happy. <laughs> and what could be more happy than Bodie, the menswear fashion dog, who has his own spread in the New York Times uh, men's style section. This, this is, is incredible. <laughs> you say incredible, I say absurd. Well, yeah, I mean, let's talk about, we've talked about Bodhi on the show before. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a Shiba Inu, which is a Japanese breed. And really, if I ever had a dog, I'd get a Shiba Inu. I just like the look of them. That. And if, if I ever had a Shiba Inu, I might dress him up in menswear <laughs> because I've been inspired. But anyway, the Bodhi's parents, David Fung and uh, Yena Kim, who are a married couple, as far as I remember, uh, were hired to do kind of summer looks. And so here's a whole slew of photos. Um, and they sort of named, you know, the look that they were going after. Uh, so here's Nantucket. We're looking at Bodie. Uh, he's got a Ralph Lauren uh, double-breasted sports coat uh, that retails for $3,500. He's got a cotton blue and white striped shirt for 495 a silk tie for 215 and ray-ban sunglasses for 150 dollars now this is what this is my question mm. you are in charge of marketing at uh, ralph loren and you get a call and and they say we we'd like to we'd like to uh, borrow some of your clothing which happens mm. all the time in fashion right sure um and then they say we're going to put it on a dog <laughs> <laughs> we're going to put your 3500 coat on a dog what do you say? I mean, you say, okay, how many followers does he have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Bodhi has like in excess of a million followers, if yeah. not significantly more. So of course you'd probably do it. And, and I, I will say, you know, I looked at Paris here. Uh, here's a Michael Kors denim blazer for $5.95. And I thought, that's a pretty good looking blazer. Maybe I need one of those. Michael Kors. If if Blazer. this post gets uh, gives sales to any of these companies, that's amazing. Also- that's amazing. I'm kind of mad that this dog is better dressed than any man I know in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, maybe in Manhattan this dog is better <laughs> yeah. dressed. Yeah, in Manhattan. Also, based off these outfits, these are wedding uh, destination outfits or summer looks. I definitely yeah. want to go to Havana because it he looks the best going to Havana. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to body shame Bodhi, but he's looking a little double chinny. <laughs> You know, he's got the old man vibe yeah, going with the Havana. <laughs> Definitely. Good for you, Bodie. Aw, good dog. I hope they're putting uh, some some money away for Bodie in yeah. a trust so that he can kind of live out his his <laughs> last days in comfort. Just, I'm you know. not worried about Bodie's last days. <laughs> I think he's gonna be fine. I bet they take good care of that Bodie. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Sarah, we made it through 55 shows, 55 shows, end of an era. Good number. Good number. Maybe, Good number. maybe you need a podcast over at uh, Business Insider too. Yeah. Ah, you'll be too busy. You'll be too busy. Yeah, true. Leave, leave the podcast to photo shelter, okay? There's a lot of, we don't need one more photo <laughs> podcast to compete with. I know. I'm going to leave the podcast to everybody else out there doing <laughs> podcast stuff. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Sarah, it was, uh, it was a pleasure. 55 great shows. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, best of luck in the new position. Thank you.
Appreciate it. That ends uh, this show. We'll be back. Probably, you know, maybe we have to hire someone else or maybe it'll just be me from now on. But whatever the case <laughs> is, we're glad you joined us. So for Sarah Jacobs, this is Alan Robayashi signing off. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.